The following program depicts scenes of murder and violence. Viewer discretion is advised. Words appear sequentially. Crime Crusher. Featuring Donna Judd. On whose blind life is it anyway? The Blind Perspective Network. Sponsored by VIP Tech. Author Donna Jodhan presents Episode 4 Santa's Secret Christmas Ring Robbie had not always been the same. He had been forced to change his ways, and then he had embarked on a very different path. Robbie Davos had become a man of very Christian beliefs, and one of them was that he firmly believed in giving back and giving to those who really needed it. Robbie would tell you that his life had been a very fulfilling one, but there seemed to be something missing, and he was determined to find it before he departed this world. Find out how he found it, in a very unique way, and what he did before he departed. Santa's Secret Christmas Ring A fictional story of a mission fulfilled Written by Donna J. Jodhan Hello, 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 it's Detective DJ, and a very Merry Christmas to everyone. Happy Holidays, and a terrific season to all of you out there. I hope everyone is enjoying themselves, playing, frolicking, cooking, baking, doing all kinds of excited things for the holiday season. Well, today I'm here to present you with Episode 4. The fourth episode in my Christmas box set entitled The Twelve Days of Christmas. I have already presented you with Santa's Super Secret, The President's Super Christmas Plane, and Santa's Secret Toy Shop. Today I'm here to present you with Santa's Secret Christmas Ring. And I really hope that you enjoy this one as much as I enjoyed writing it and now recording it for you. And you know what? My team would like to wish you all a very, very happy holiday season. Merry Christmas and all the very best for the coming new year. Robbie Davos the Child as a child, Robbie was extremely brash and aggressive, and he never really paid attention to anything that anyone would say. He was a bully at school, 
and he had taken delight in everyone else's misfortunes. As a matter of fact, he was almost always the cause of someone else's misfortunes. His teachers had become very tired of the little tyrant, and had even begged his parents to send him to another school. Robbie had become insufferable. He was always bullying his classmates and also bullying the older kids as well. And he was always threatening his teachers. He was a bully in the classroom, he was a bully in the playground, and he was a bully in the gym. In short, Robbie was almost always in trouble. Robbie would take toys away from his classmates. He would deliberately throw snacks at other kids and purposely spill things on them. He would frequently get into fights with others and would have stopped at nothing to get whatever he wanted. He threw temper tantrums and he frequently disrupted class time and playtime. Robbie had been an only child and his parents had spoiled him rotten. He had not wanted for anything except for love from his parents and they had often left him with nannies because they had traveled a lot and Robbie's parents had found it much easier to give in to their out-of-control son rather than try to discipline him. Robbie had been given everything that any child could ever have hoped for. Lots of clothes, toys, privileges, and vacations to exotic places. But the one thing that had stood out was that Robbie's vacations were almost always in the company of nannies and not his parents. Robbie would often cry himself to sleep how much he had wanted to be with his parents. But alas, Robbie was a very lonely little boy. And whenever he was with his parents, time spent with them had almost always ended up in shouting matches and Robbie being sent to his room. Maybe Robbie's parents had loved him in their own way, but they had been much too busy to show it. And in turn, Robbie had felt rejected. Most of Robbie's early Thanksgivings had been spent with nannies because his parents had been away on business. But at this particular Thanksgiving, there was something that was about to happen. And as this Thanksgiving approached, Robbie's parents had promised their son that they would be home with him. But alas! The housekeeper and the nanny had done their best to prepare for the family's Thanksgiving and had waited with the anxious little boy for his parents to come home. 
Robbie had spent most of the evening watching TV and looking at the clock. And at around 11, when he was just getting ready to go to bed, disappointment written all over his face and tears welling up in his tired red eyes, the doorbell had rung unexpectedly. And Robbie had rushed ahead of everyone else to answer it. But it was not Mr. and Mrs. Davos standing there on the doorstep. Instead, it was a grim-faced highway patrol cop. And he was standing there. Robbie's parents were dead. They had been killed in a car crash by a drunken driver on their way home to their little boy. At age 10, fate had made Robbie an orphan. And now Robbie had begun to blame himself for the death of his parents. They were coming home to him because he had demanded that they should. They had promised to be home with him and now they were both dead. All because of him. The little boy was unconsolable and had to be given a mild sedative to calm him down. Tomorrow would be another day and the nanny and the housekeeper knew what had to be done. As per instructions that had been left with them by Robbie's parents. Despite how badly behaved Robbie had been towards them both. Robbie Davis's Transformation The next few days were spent with the nanny and the housekeeper packing all of Robbie's belongings into huge trunks. During this time, Robbie had sequestered himself in his room with his dog Pele, and he had refused to come out except for meals and to walk and feed Pele. The Davis's home had been placed on the market for sale, and on a bright winter's day in mid-December, a large fan had pulled up in front of the home, and Robbie, along with his trunks and dog, were loaded into the van, and then it had pulled away, quietly away from the curve. The nanny had told Robbie where he was going to be taken, and the little boy had taken it all in, neither reacting or responding. The housekeeper had packed a basket with some of Robbie's favorite foods. She had even made up a care package for Pele. Then the van had driven up, and it was time for Robbie to go. The nanny and the housekeeper had then stood awkwardly and had watched as the little boy had first fumbled with his backpack and his laptop. Then he had stood there looking straight ahead of him, refusing to look up at either the nanny or the housekeeper. Then Robbie had done something very unexpected for Robbie. With tears welling up in his eyes, 
He had approached the ladies and had hugged them, both of them. Then he had whispered under his breath, I'm sorry. Then he had hefted his backpack onto his back and had picked up his laptop. And with one final longing backward glance at his soon-to-be ex-home, he had called to his dog, and then the two were walking slowly towards a large van. Someone had opened the doors to the van as the little boy and his dog were approaching. Unseen hands had taken his laptop from him and had then helped him up. Pele had followed, and then the doors had closed with a bang. The next stage of Bobby's life had just begun. Nanny and housekeeper had watched it all all, and had waited until the van had driven off, and then they had walked slowly back to the house, heads bent against a cold Christmas wind. Their work was now complete. Robbie had sat huddled in his seat with Pele beside him, and the driver had introduced himself as Corey and his wife in the passenger seat as Marianne. And in a very pleasant voice he had told Robbie that it was going to take about six hours before they reached their destination. Robbie had merely nodded, and then he had proceeded to bury his tear-stained face in the thick fur of the neck of his dog Pele. While driver and passenger had chatted amiably as the van had traveled, boy and dog had spent their time looking out of the window. Robbie had observed as a huge van had maneuvered skillfully through busy city streets, crowded with throngs of holiday shoppers, walking along the sidewalks loaded with packages of all colors and sizes. He had gazed longingly at the toys being displayed in the windows of stores as the van drove by. But then the van had turned onto a road with lots of large homes that were festively decorated with all kinds of Christmas lights and cute and fancy ornaments. And then the little boy had started to cry softly. Pele had seemed to notice and had suddenly snuggled closer to his master. Marianne too had seen the tears and had whispered something softly to her husband. And soon the van was slowing down and pulling into a large mall. Corey and Marianne had gotten out of the van and had come to open the doors for Robbie. At first Robbie had hesitated, but then he had climbed slowly out with Pele at his heels. Corey and Marianne had then taken him and Pele into the mall. 
and it did not take very long before the little boy had begun to smile. And what a smile it was! Cory and Marianne took Robbie and Paley on a brief shopping trip, had bought them both lunch, and had even treated Robbie to a handheld electronic game. Then the van was on its way again, speeding past snow-covered fields, small farms, and quaint little country houses. Robbie had tried to stay awake and listen to Corey's and Marianne's chatter and frequent laughter. But he could not, because exhaustion had started to set in, and soon he was asleep with his arms around his dog. What Robbie did not know was that this couple would turn out to be his best lifelong friends. The rest of the journey was rather uneventful, and late on that December evening, van and passengers had reached their final destination. A tired Robbie had allowed himself to be put to bed in a small but cosy little room with Pele beside him, and Corey and Marianne would spend the rest of the night sorting out and putting away his things. Tomorrow would be another day. Robbie's Early Adventures The Reverend Corey Brandon and his wife Marianne were now the official guardians of little Robbie. And that was really something for this couple. They had been long-time friends of the Davos, the family, and a long time ago they had agreed to take little Robbie and do good by him if anything were to happen to Robbie's parents. They had been well aware of Robbie's bullying ways and were more than prepared to help him change his ways. Corey and Marianne had had no kids of their own, and they were looking forward to raising Robbie as their son. They had agreed to let Robbie keep his last name, but they wanted to hyphenate his last name with theirs, and now he was to be called Robbie Davos Brandon. Robbie's first Christmas without his parents was very difficult, with Robbie refusing to speak much and the Brandons doing their best to make things pleasant. But as soon as the holidays were over, it was time to get down to work. The first six months for Robbie were very, very challenging to say the least. With the little boy stoutly resisting change, and the Brandons determined to make things right for him. Robbie was sent to a local grade school, and it did not take him long to discover that his bullying tactics were not going to work, as most of the boys in his class were much bigger than him, and they were not going to allow a newcomer 
to come in and push them around. Robbie was now living in a rural area, far different from his previous home, which had been an opulent one in a large city. Each day after school, Robbie had chores to perform, feeding and looking after the farm animals before doing his homework, and helping the Reverend and his wife on weekends with house and church chores. The first few summers with the Brandons were spent camping and fishing with the Brandons and their friends, working in the fields and learning other skills. Christmases were spent helping Corey and Marianne with various Christmas activities. And the Brandons had actually been delighted when Robbie had volunteered to dress up as Santa Claus on his second Christmas in his new home and help Corey to hand out toys in the town's community to the kids of the town. Robbie had seemed to really enjoy this specific activity and the kids had all loved him. In fact, Robbie had made up his very own Santa suit with the help of Marianne and the costume with its trademark beard had become a huge hit. Robbie had even perfected his very own Santa laugh and he had even convinced the Brandons to let him leave presents for kids at their doorsteps on Christmas morning. Then he had created the Santa's Christmas parties for the less fortunate kids, starring Robbie as Santa and his dogs Santa. And the Brandons had watched with pride as Robbie had managed to make these parties bigger and bigger each year. Life for Robbie had settled in to a comfortable routine and the boy had actually turned the corner away from his previous waywardness and bullying ways. Corey and Mary Han had often tried to get the boy to talk about his dead parents, but this was difficult because Robbie would almost always either clam up or downright refuse to speak about them. Pele had also flourished and had become a dad to do gorgeous pups and Brandon's had allowed Robbie to keep them and Robbie had named them little Pele and Davina. Robbie had done well enough in high school and had excelled at chess and ice skating and he had also gone into ice hockey and Corey and Marianne had encouraged him to write an exam for a college scholarship. But at first the boy had hesitated, saying that he was not smart enough to win a scholarship. But after some egging on from the Brandons, he had reluctantly agreed. However, he had steadfastly refused to attend his prom 
and the Brandons did not push him. Robbie had grown into a shy but handsome young man, extremely tall and skinny, but a bit awkward with others, and especially so with the girls. He was quiet and loved the outdoors, and he had seemed to enjoy family time home with the Brandons. Corey and Marianne had often remarked to him how much he had reminded them of his dad. Robbie Strikes Gold Robbie did not see the man walking up to the front door of his home on that late summer's day as he worked out in the fields. Nor did he hear Marianne calling to him until he heard the barks of little Pele and Davina as they came running towards him. As Robbie turned, he saw Marianne waving to him, and he had quickly put down his tools and had sauntered towards the house with the dogs at his heels. Corey was there too, and when Robbie had seen the official-looking envelope in Marianne's hands, he knew immediately. Robbie had watched anxiously as the Brandons had slid open the envelope, removing a sheet of paper, and one part of him had begun to pray for good news, while the other part of him had resigned himself for the worst. Then the Brandons had both seemed to gasp at the same time, and then they were shouting and waving the paper in the air. And then they were both hugging Robbie. This could not be. Robbie could not believe what he was reading. Yes, he had not just simply won a scholarship. No, not just a scholarship, but he had just been informed that he had won top scholarship in his entire state. The family was simply blown away, and now fate was about to change Robbie's life once more. The time had come for the Brandons to have a serious heart-to-heart -heart chat with their adopted son, and Coria decided that it should take place that very night. And it did take place in the cozy living room of the Brandons, after Mary Hen had cooked and served up one of Robbie's favorite suppers. Roast beef Yorkshire pudding, roast potatoes, and Brussels sprouts with apple pie for dessert. Everyone had eaten well, and Robbie had two servings of everything, including two glasses, huge glasses of milk. And all of the dogs were in attendance when the Brandons had finally adjourned to the living room with Robbie. The young man had quickly noticed that whereas, just moments ago, 
The Brennans were in a great mood. Their expressions were now very somber, and he had sat expectantly waiting for them to speak. Corey had handed a letter to Robbie, and the boy had quickly read it and had sat upright. This could not be. The letter had been written by his parents to him before they had been killed, and in it Robbie's parents had told him that he was now the inheritor of a small fortune, and they hoped that he would use it well to live a good life and a comfortable life. They apologized to him for not having been very good parents to him, and they ended the letter by asking him to be close to the Brandons and to take care of them no matter what, whatever happened. Mr. and Mrs. Davos had also left something for the Brandons to help them with their finances, and the Brandons were very grateful for this. Robbie did not speak for a long time, and the Brandons had left him alone to be by himself. When they had gone and had left the dogs to keep him company, Robbie had taken out the letter from his pocket, had carefully straightened it out on the coffee table, and then he had proceeded to reread it several times. He did not get it. Why would his parents have left him anything whether, when they had never seemed to care whether or not he had existed? Was this how parents were supposed to act towards their kids? Robbie was confused, upset, and yes, angry. Angry that his parents had never really shown him any love. And as he pondered now, he had never really shown them any love in return. As he sat in the living room, watching the late summer's twilight turn into night, he had felt very much alone. The truth was that he was an orphan with no parents. He blamed himself for the death of his parents because they had been rushing home to be with him on that faithful Thanksgiving Eve when they had been killed. Robbie had begun to sob. Pele and the other two dogs had drawn close. He did not want to leave the Brandons now. He did not want to leave home. Or if he did, then where would he go? Robbie's Christmas Dream Another Christmas was now fast approaching, and the Brandon family was in the midst of all of it. Robbie had been caught up in the festivities, but now fate was about to give him a nudge in another direction. 
he would stay overnight at the cabin of a family friend and return the following day. And he had taken little Pele and Davina with him, leaving the older Pele behind, as he had felt that Pele was not strong enough to go along with him. Pele was now 10 years old. Robbie had enjoyed his day on the ski slopes, leaving the dogs behind at the cabin. And upon his return to the cabin, he had lit a fire, fed the dogs, and had eaten a big dinner, which Mary Ann had prepared and packed for him. Then he had stretched out on the comfy cabin bed, and he had soon fallen into a deep sleep, and before he knew it, he was on an extraordinary adventure, thanks to the powers of be. Robbie had found himself walking on the sidewalk of a busy street. It was Christmas and there were lots of noise all around. Kids were laughing. Santa was ho-ho-hoing. Bells were ringing and the fragrant scent of Christmas cookies being baked had started to permeate his nostrils. In the scene, Robbie was a preteen, and Pele was with him. He was not sure where he was going, but he had decided to follow the crowds, and the dog was walking briskly beside him. Snow was falling lightly, and it all looked so pretty, the flakes intermingling with the colorful Christmas lights. And there were so many of these lovely lights of all sizes, shapes, and colors. Robbie noted that the snowflakes were of all sizes as they came down, and at times he had observed Paley trying to catch a snowflake in his mouth. But of course, he would fail and give up temporarily. The Christmas wind was biting but refreshing, and soon the falling snow had begun to create a fluffy white carpet on the sidewalk, and everyone seemed to be welcoming it. Robbie and Paley were quite contented to walk along, staring into shop windows and gazing at all of the toys and just taking in everything. Then they were walking through the doors of a huge mall, and Robbie had to hold on tight to Pele's leash so as not to lose him. Boy and dog continued to be swept along in the large Christmas crowd, and soon enough they were entering a large arcade. Robbie had hesitated at first because he knew that Pele had did not like the sounds of those arcade machines, and he had just turned and was getting ready to exit the arcade when he ran smack bang into a very tall man. The man has put, had put out his hand to prevent Robbie from falling, but at the same time Robbie had mumbled his apologies, but as he tried to walk by, the man had stopped him. He had put his hands firmly 
on the boy's shoulders and had forced him to look up at him. Robbie's first inkling was to try and run, but then, as he looked up into the stranger's face, he realized that he was looking up into the image of himself. Robbie was scared, but Pele was not, and the dog had begun to wag his tail, and soon he was greeting the stranger. Then Robbie heard a familiar voice calling his name. What happened next was totally unexpected. The stranger had pulled a package un from under his ski jacket and had proffered it to the little boy. Robbie had hesitated, but the stranger had smiled warmly at him, egging him on to accept the package. When Robbie again hesitated, the stranger had pushed the package into his hands, and the little boy had had no choice but to take it. And when he had looked up again, the stranger was gone. Robbie was bewildered and not sure what to do with the package. But he and Pele had continued to walk through the mall. Robbie was not sure how long he had slept, but when he had awoke, he had felt very refreshed, and he could see that the winter's sun was already seeping through the windows of the cabin. Morning was already here. Robbie gasped and he checked the time on his watch. And then he had risen quickly, calling to little Pele and Davina, as he did so. Robbie was extremely reflective as he ate breakfast, fed the dogs, and had packed for his home. As he drove, he had pondered his previous night's dream and that by the time that he had arrived at the Brandons, he had made a plan for his future. He would tell no one, not even Corey or Marianne. His journey would begin after the Christmas holidays. Robbie's Secret Mission Robbie was almost 21 and a very matured and thoughtful young man, and Corey and Marianne had done a wonderful job from changing him from a wayward bully into what he was today. They had come to love and trust him, and never to question his motives, and so when he told them that he had to embark on a journey, one that would help him to find his mission in his life, they did not question him. Of course, they were very sad to see him go, and all that they asked was that he keep in touch with them. Robbie had promised faithfully, but would not say where he was going and for how long. The Brandons had done their best to make their final supper together a pleasant one. Mary Ann had prepared a huge meal and the family had spent a long time just sitting and chatting afterwards. 
Robbie had finished his packing, had not forgotten to pack photos of Corey and Marianne and the dogs, and he had had a special few moments with Pele, because he knew that it would probably be the last time that he would ever see the big dog. Pele was getting on in age now, and he was now having difficulty walking. And somehow Pele knew that it would probably be the last time that he would ever see his beloved master, at least for a while, if not again. He had stuck close to Robbie and very close to Robbie all day and would not let him out of his sight. And at that night, Robbie had allowed Pele to sleep with him in his room. It was a restless night for Robbie as he tossed and turned, and it was the same for the Brandons as they had lain in bed, confiding to each other how worried they were for their son, but promising each other not to tell him. Robbie had analyzed his previous dream so many times and had figured out who the stranger was and what the package and its contents meant. He knew what he had to do, and he also knew that he only had a certain amount of time in which to do it. His goodbyes with the Brandons were short, but very touching. He promised them that he would return as quickly as possible, and he had promised to write regularly they promised to be there for him upon his return and to take care of his precious dogs. Then Robbie was getting into his SUV, packed to the rafters with his things. But this time he was alone, not the same so many years ago when Pele had accompanied him in another van as they had traveled from his former home to the Brandons. Robbie had carefully backed the van out of the driveway, then one final long wave to the Brandons and one for his beloved dogs, and then he was on his way. The Brandons had stood and watched longingly until the van was out of sight and the dogs had waited with them. Pele was especially very sad and had let out a long cry as the Brandons had turned to go inside. And Corey had had to console Marianne as she had started to cry. Their beloved Robbie, their only son, their adopted son, had just left them and they had no idea where he was headed to and when he would be returning. But Robbie knew where he was headed to and what he needed to do before he returning home to his parents. Time was not going to be on his side. Around the World with Robbie Robbie had prepared well for his upcoming mission. 
He had everything that he needed, but oh how much he had missed his dogs already, especially his beloved Pele. A few tears had escaped from his eyes as he drove. Just thinking about his family, and especially Pele. But this mission had to be completed, and the dream that he had had a few weeks ago had confirmed this. Robbie and Pele had been through so much together. Pele was just a wee one when his parents had brought him to Robbie, and Robbie had immediately fallen in love with a cute, cuddly golden retriever, and in a matter of months he had grown so big. He had been with Robbie when Robbie's parents had been killed, and then he had made the long journey with Robbie to the Brandons. Then he was there for Robbie as he had adjusted to his new life, and he had even given Robbie two marvelous kids. Little Pele and Davina. What more could Robbie have asked for from this wonderful friend? Leaving Pele was so very difficult, and he knew that. He would probably never see him again. And he also knew that Pele knew as well. But he knew that Pele was in the best of hands with Corey and Marianne. Before leaving, Robbie had visited someone who had provided him with some important facts, but he had never told Corey and Marianne about this particular visit. A few months had now passed since he had left home on that early January day. As promised, he had faithfully kept in touch with his family, and he was satisfied they had, that they had seemed to be okay. He was use, doing well and using the small fortune that had been left him by Mr. and Mrs. Davos to move along. Robbie had already been to the busy streets of London, England, the crowded streets of Gay Pahui the quaint streets of Amsterdam, and had travelled on the gondolas in Venice. He knew what he was looking for, but thus far he had not found it. Nevertheless, Robbie was not too worried, as he knew that when he did find it, the rest would fall into place. After Venice, Robbie had traveled to the cluttered streets of New Delhi, then it was on to the busy marketplaces of Beijing, and then across to the bustling streets and markets of the Middle East. Finally he reached Asia, and then Australia, and his journey was almost done. One more long flight to the Caribbean, and then? Over three years had now gone by since Robbie had left home. Corey and Marianne were doing well, but sadly enough, poor old Paley had passed on a while ago. And in keeping with their promise to Robbie, 
that Brandon's had buried Pele in their rose garden under a tree. Robbie had cried when they had told him of Pele's passing, and he was sorry that he had not been there to be with his beloved Pele. The Brandons had told him that Pele had passed on peacefully, all snuggled up in Robbie's bed, as the dog had somehow found his way to Robbie's room and had managed to climb into Robbie's bed. And the Brandons had found him shortly after he had died. It was now early December and the time had now come for Robbie to get ready for his big mission. He was ready, as ready as he could ever be. His special suit was ready, his special electronic stools and gadgets were also ready. His special Christmas aircraft was also ready. Robbie Davos Brandon was ready. He had told Corey and Marianne that he would be home soon, but this is all he would tell them. And the Brandons were all excited and they told him that they would have a great surprise for him when he returned home. The Young Soldier's Dilemma The young man had just been told that he had but a few days to get ready for his trip to the war front. He had just been served with his papers to go overseas, and as a soldier he had always been prepared for this day. A great part of him was extremely excited, but there was another part of him that had started to die inside of him. The young soldier had hoped that he would be able to get married before he left home, but there was something else keeping things back for him. He wanted to get married as quickly as possible and he wanted desperately to do it before leaving to go overseas. His young girlfriend was already six months pregnant. But the young soldier had not had the money to buy his bride-to-be a wedding ring. He had barely had enough funds to make ends meet because he had had to help his parents pay Sahum's medical bills for his sister who had recently died of cancer. The young soldier was desperate and beside himself. He knew that he had to leave in a few days and he knew that he had to try and find a way to marry his girl before leaving. They had been childhood sweethearts and she was his best friend. They had always been there for each other and come what may, he would not leave her without marrying her. But how would he accomplish this next to impossible task? Robbie had been checking his computer screen all day and when the message had finally come, he was ready. Excitement ran through his body as he got ready for his big mission. 
He checked his maps, his soup, and his compass, and his gadgets, and then he left his room, and then he went out to his garage to check his special craft. All was ready. Robbie returned to his room and checked his computer screen once more. He had but two hours to get to his destination and carry out his mission. Robbie sprung into action. A soldier's desperate prayer. Two days were now left before the young soldier was supposed to fly up. And he had to do this before going overseas. He was beside himself with anxiety. Oh, how he hated all of this. He knew that duty to his country had to come first, but during the last few days he had had a few thoughts of just running away with his bride. But where would he go? She was very pregnant, and with Christmas almost here, how could he ask her to leave her home and her parents at this time? She would never agree to this foolhardy scheme. Christmas was everything to she and her family. And oh, how she had hated him when he had told her that he would have to leave her on Christmas Eve. They had both been very sad about this, but what could they do? Things did not look very good. The soldier had decided to pray, and pray he did, and desperately. One day before he was supposed to have left, the young soldier had ventured into town and had found himself drawn towards the jewelry stores. He had gone into a few of these stores and had found himself gazing longingly at some of the wedding rings. They all looked so lovely, and oh, how he wished he could buy one of them for his bride. He had entered one of the stores and had walked gingerly up to the glass case, and after having spent what seemed to him to have been hours looking at each and every wedding ring, he had stared at a particularly pretty one towards the back of the display case. Its diamonds had sparkled brightly, and to his eyes they had seemed to sparkle even more brightly than the rest. And it had seemed as if it would be the perfect one for his bride. The young soldier had nervously approached the clerk and asked if he could see the ring and the clerk had happily obliged. The young soldier had taken the ring and had placed it tentatively into his hand, turning it over and over as the clerk had stood by observing closely. The young soldier knew that this should be the ring for his bride, but alas, he had dared not ask the price. Then something had happened at that very moment. A customer had walked into this store 
and after looking around for a few minutes, had approached where the young soldier was standing, and had started to admire the ring in his hand. The newcomer was dressed in a Santa's suit. Beard included, and a huge Santa's hat on his head. He had been heard to say that he was on his way to a Christmas party for kids. The newcomer and the soldier had started up a friendly conversation, and soon the soldier was giving his story to the stranger. Then the stranger had taken the ring from the soldier's hand and had asked the price of the ring. On hearing the price, the soldier had turned quickly away. But without hesitation, the stranger had said that he had wanted to buy it for his girlfriend. The clerk was happy to oblige and had taken the ring quickly from the newcomer's hand, placed it in a beautiful ring box and then had wrapped it in exquisite paper. He then handed it to the customer who paid cash for it and then with one of the broadest smiles he had then walked out without looking back. The young soldier had left shortly afterwards, head bent in the feet, and hands buried deep in the pockets of his coat. He did not know where next to go, but as he walked he had spotted a church and had decided to enter. The Soldier's Desperate Plea the young soldier had not been a regular churchgoer, but at each Christmas he had attended Christmas Mass with his family. And as he had entered this little church, he had noticed that he was not the only one there. There were several others kneeling and praying, and a Christmas choir was practicing for the Midnight Mass, which was to take place the following day. The choir was made up of young and old, and there were kids too. Candles flickered at the altar, and the soldier had stopped for a moment to say a short prayer at the manger where Jesus was lying in the arms of Mary and Joseph. The young soldier had realized the significance of the magnificent manger, with the baby lying peacefully in the arms of his parents. The three wise men and the shepherds and the animals crowded around. His short prayer had turned into a much longer one, and soon he was pleading with God to help him with his situation. He wanted to serve his country, and he had wanted to give his bride a wedding ring before leaving tomorrow. After a while, the soldier had made his way to one of the pews and had sat down. He thought that he would listen to the choir for a bit before making his way home. And he had started to enjoy the songs of the choir, all dressed in their colorful Christmas costumes. They were dressed in black pants and red sweaters with gold and green braids 
and red hats with white trim. The young soldier had become lost in this scene, and if his thoughts had not been, in, been interrupted by the chimes of the church's bells chiming the hour, he may very well have remained there all day. He knew that by now his bride-to-be and his family would be starting to worry about his whereabouts. And this was the last thing that he had wanted. Besides, he had to get home to them soon, as an early Christmas dinner had been planned before his departure tomorrow. The weather was rapidly changing, and what had started out as a fresh, cool winter's day now seemed to be shaping up to be a nasty one. Large, fat snowflakes had started coming down, and they were coming down in huge bunches. The wind was now blowing loudly, and streets and sidewalks and cars were rapidly changing in experience. Fixed blankets of snow were starting to adorn them all. The young soldier could barely make out the store windows as he walked quickly around, struggling to keep his footing, but good thing that the soles of his boots were thick. He could still see the neon lights flashing the words Merry Christmas as he hurried along, and as he went he could hear passers-by greeting each other and wishing each other Merry Christmas, and he did the same. It was time for the young soldier to get home before he got caught in the approaching storm. Now he had to race against the approaching storm. And thank God his car had started easily. He drove expertly and quickly and was relieved when he finally reached home. Dinner was about to be served. A Christmas Surprise Yes, everyone had started to worry about him. But when he had entered, dinner was waiting. The family was made up of parents and siblings, from both he with lots of laughter and chatter, and the delicious aromas of baked turkey and all of the trimmings of a wonderful Christmas meal. Everything was in place. The kids were bouncing up and down with excitement and just itching to open their presents, while the adults had long ago decided to make this Christmas dinner an extra happy occasion despite the pending departure of the young soldier. And to that end, they had done their best to put on brave faces. The young soldier had taken his place beside his bride-to-be, squeezing her hand as he moved in beside her and gently patting her pregnant belly 
as he did so. Race before meal was said by the young soldier's dad, and then everyone had sat down to begin eating. Next, the adults had then filled all of the glasses on the table with sparkling grape juice. Then they had begun to serve the meal. Sumptuous slices of turkey with gravy, cranberry sauce, stuffing, mashed potatoes, bean casserole, vegetables, and a walnut salad. Wow! Everyone was digging in and enjoying. The young soldier had just served his bride-to-be, and he was about to serve himself when fate had decided to join the family. At first, the family had not heard the doorbell because of the loud din being made by everyone. But the caller was persistent, and soon the young soldier's dad was hurrying to answer the doorbell. The family had grown quiet and was listening as they heard voices in the hallway, and soon the young soldier's dad was entering, followed by a tall man dressed as a pastor. The young soldier's dad had then introduced the tall man as Pastor Rico and had told the family that Rico was here on official army business. Pastor Rico had smiled at the family, wishing them all a very Merry Christmas, and then he had asked the young soldier to identify himself to him. The young soldier was not sure what was happening, but had risen quickly and had stood at attention, waiting nervously and expectantly. At first, Pastor Rico had not smiled, and this had made ex everyone extremely uneasy. Then, in a rich, booming voice, he had asked the young soldier to come forward, and the room had gone absolutely quiet. And as everyone watched, the young soldier had made his way forward. Then the pastor had asked his bride-to-be to step forward, and this she had done. What happened next was simply too good to be true. Pastor Rico had then announced that he was there to perform a wedding ceremony. It was army orders to marry the young soldier and his bride-to-be to each other. And as a stunned family watched in disbelief, he had produced a ring and had done just that. And the young soldier could not believe his eyes when he saw the ring. It was the same one that the stranger had bought in the store earlier that day. The one that he had so wished that he could buy for his bride. The young soldier was lost for words. Pastor Rico had then excused himself quickly after performing the ceremony, sliding down the front steps as he went. His mission was now complete. 
and as he ducked into his car, he finally smiled and made the sign of the cross. It was time for him to hurry home, and he had a long way to go before he reached his destination. And with this deteriorating weather, he had to hurry even more. He had promises to go, and miles to go before he could sleep. Robbie's Final Story It was Christmas morning, and the Reverend Corey Brennan had been awakened by the smell of bacon, frying in the downstairs kitchen. He had always looked forward to breakfast on Christmas morning with his wife and son Robbie, but on this particular morning he was a bit sad because Robbie was not going to join them. At the same time, Mary and Brandon had also been awakened by the smell of bacon frying in the downstairs kitchen. And she had thought that it was her husband getting a head start on making breakfast. Just imagine the surprise on both of their faces when they had both arrived at the same time to the entrance of the kitchen and found Robbie busy frying bacon, getting breakfast on the go. Robbie had arrived home earlier and had managed to sneak quietly in and without waking anyone. He had even managed to quiet little Pele and Davina when he had first entered. The dogs had heard him turn his key in the door and had were waiting when he had opened it. Little Pele was first to recognize him and then Davina. Robbie had put his fingers to his lips and they had seemed to understand immediately. But their tails had nevertheless started to wag excitedly and he had to put his hands on their heads to further quieten them. They had understood and had stood waiting for him to enter. And then he had come in and had shed his coat and duffel bag. Over a huge Christmas breakfast with Corey and Marianne, with Robbie had prepared, he had related his story. He told them about his dream, which he had had when he was up at the ski cabin a few years ago, and they had all agreed that the stranger in the dream had had to have been his dad. He told them about the contents of the package and the instructions that he had found in the package. He told them that the instructions had stated that he had needed to perform a good deed before he departed this world, and that time was running out for him. He told the Brandons that the instructions had stated what he needed to do and how he needed to do it, how he had needed to travel the world before he would find what he was looking for. He told them about his travels around the world and finally how he had communicated with someone to help him set up 
his mission of good deed. All about his special suit, his special gadgets and devices, and his special aircraft. Finally, about the mission itself, and how he had helped to answer the prayer of a young soldier who had been desperate to marry his pregnant bride-to-be before leaving for overseas duty. His visit to the jewelry store, the purchase of the ring, and then his visit to the young soldier's home. Finally, the performing of the wedding ceremony, as Robbie himself had become a pastor while he was away. The Brandons had taken it in all, never interrupting Robbie's tale. Then Robbie had sat back and had grown very serious. He then told his parents about the visit that he had made to a doctor before he had departed on his journey. Because in his dream the stranger had told him to do so. And then he told the Brandons what the doctor had told him, that he had had very little time to live. The Reverend Corey Brandon and his wife had then both looked at each other, and then Corey had risen and returned with a letter. He had placed it in front of Robbie and had told him to read it. Robbie would not believe his eyes, because the doctor had written to tell Robbie that his previous diagnosis of him had not been correct and that after all nothing serious was wrong with Robbie. The young man would live after all. Then the Brandons had one fine Christmas present for Robbie. A new puppy that had been born about six months ago. Little Pele and Davina were the parents, and they had named the puppy Prince Pele. I'm Detective DJ, and I hope you enjoyed this wonderful Christmas mystery. I want to again wish you a very Merry Christmas and all the blessings from above. Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Everything to every one of you. I and my team wish you everything good. You take care and tune in again for our next episode. See you later. This has been Crime Crushers. On whose blind life is it anyway? The Blind Perspective Network. Catch Crime Crushers every Wednesdays. On Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? Sponsored by VIP Tech.